0: Uh, If you have your Bible, say with me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen, amen, God bless you. All right, we love talking about fathers, fathers' influence and so forth in our lives. Uh, We've all had parents, and uh, there is no such thing as a perfect parent, everybody has made some mistakes and so forth like that, but, uh, but you can learn something from them yet, amen? You can always take the good... That uh, you've seen and so forth, you can take the good, the bad, just let it go. I mean, my parents—I got saved, and there was a lot of good examples I saw. But then I knew I had a heavenly Father now, and uh, so I could now take on His character and His nature. Amen. So we want to follow. We want to follow the Lord, and serving the Lord is not automatic. Uh, I'm just going to highlight a couple things. Uh, first of all, from First Samuel. Eli was the high priest, and of course, he's anointed. He has the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was poured out on like an individual for a certain point, uh, for a task or reason, like the high priest or a prophet. And Eli is the high priest. The New Testament, thank God for the New Testament and the new covenant that we are in, because the Holy Spirit now is available to all believers, not just a select few. It's available to all believers. But Eli, here he was, the high priest, and uh, and... Though he was the high priest doing the work of God, yet his children, he didn't order his children well, didn't train them in the ways of God. And so his children, the Bible says, were corrupt and they didn't even know the Lord. So that's, that's, uh, that's a tough thing. Serving the Lord is not automatic. So we, we all want to serve the Lord. We hope our children serve the Lord or our grandchildren. But, you know, things don't just happen by accident. That, that happens on purpose to continue to share the, share the gospel, share Christ, pray for people. Even if your children are out of the home, you're still a parent, right? So you're still a parent, and you still can minister to your kids. You still can text them, email them, do all kinds of things, snap them, and, and scriptures and things like that. Jeannie's always doing that. Uh, at our house, for our family, and so forth. So it's just on a regular basis. Scripture's coming forth to teach, instruct, to bless people, to bless our family, to bless our grandchildren. So serving the Lord is not automatic. Now, then it goes into 1 Samuel 7. So Samuel, of course, came after Eli. And remember, he was raised in the temple. And so he saw everything that happened to Eli's children. In fact, he was the one who first got the word as far as Uh, regarding Eli's children, what was going to happen to them. And he told Eli, and Eli said, yeah, that's right, they haven't served the Lord. So here Samuel has seen this, and you would think, of course, that he would do things a little bit differently. But but Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he traveled in ministry year to year in circuit. So he traveled around, and then he would return to his home where where his home was in Ramah. And, and he built an altar to the Lord. So Samuel, though, what, one of the things he was, he was absent from the home a lot. Even though he saw what happened to Eli's sons, he's absent from the home. And then it comes in 1 Samuel chapter 8. In Samuel's sons, it says that when he was old, he wanted to make him judges uh, over Israel. But his sons did not walk in his ways. And they turned aside after dishonest gain and took bribes and perverted judgment. So his sons, you know, Samuel was busy in ministry, but really not taking care of his home life that well. You don't want to be so busy in your job that you're not spending time with your family. You want to, you want to think, what's more important, money or my children? What's more important to have, more money or my children that love God and love me and love the family and so forth? So, so we have priorities, and the first priority, of course, really in ministry, comes to your family, comes in your home, comes in your own house, and so forth. So, we look at Luke chapter 15, and how did this how did this father respond? Now, this is the story of the prodigal son. Most people think of the prodigal as the lost son, and that's not true. The word prodigal means that that he was wasteful, he was extravagant, and he wasted his money and so forth. And that's what prodigal means. It doesn't mean lunch saved might be unsaved, but he wasted all that he got. And so he was the prodigal son and he took what he had, which was significant from his father, and he wasted it so much so that he had no money left. And he went and eventually, eventually he thought he was feeding pigs and thought I'm, I'm reduced to eating pigs' food. And he thought he had a revelation like I should just go back to my father's house and be a servant there because they're treated well. And I I will have everything that I need. And so he started his journey back home. But I like what it was. He came when he came to the father and when he was still a great way off. And so his father was looking with hope that his son would still come back. And we want to believe, we want to believe that seeds planted seeds planted for God, for Christ will grow. And that good a good harvest will come out of that, and that's why sometimes we might say, "I I don't see any fruit, I don't see anything happening." Uh, That's not the end of the story, though. The end of the story is is to see what happens. Might might take years, might take some extra time, but he eventually had this revelation. I'm just going to go home. Home is good. Amen. So he headed home, and his father he's still a long ways off, but his father's watching. I'm sure always looking, you know, still busy about his day, but looking in the distance, will his son come home today? Looking at the road up the hill and so forth like that. And when his father saw him, I like this word as compassion. So, So many times as we witness in the world, we're not going out screaming at people, you're sinners, you're going to hell. They already know that. What the world needs, though, is they need the love of Jesus and they need Christ shared with them that will bring life. And the father, the father didn't beat up his son. He went and he had compassion. Say compassion. So he he shared. He gave compassion to his son in a way that, of course, uh, brought life out of his son. So he had compassion. He ran. He fell on his neck, and he kissed him. So home should be a place of mercy. Home should be a place where, where uh, kids make mistakes, right? but it should be a place where we also bring mercy and instruction. All the time, you know, all of us have made mistakes, but if we can learn from those and then, and then grow in our life, our life can improve. If we, if we, you don't want to just keep making the same mistake, but a parent or as a father, you're trying to train your children, and of course it can be very frustrating, but to train them in the ways of God. So his father had compassion, he showed mercy, he kissed him, he hugged him, and you know the story, of course, they had a celebration, they had a celebration of his life. In the same way, our Heavenly Father is merciful to us. He's always showing mercy. So we can beat ourselves up, of course, when we do something we know we shouldn't do, but God is there to lift us up, and he's there to help us in our time of need to give us strength and to give us hope. And so when you look at Father's Day, we want to put our eyes on the Father, and what he's like. Now, Ephesians says that we honor our father and mother. So the prodigal honored his, his parents, or he honored his dad, by coming home. He honored him. My dad, years ago, was, uh, of course, my parents lived in Iowa. But I, as, as after my mom passed away and my dad was in a nursing home, I would drive to Iowa. And to see my dad, I always bring him chocolate bars and, and uh, to spend time. Now, he didn't know the Lord. And for much of his life, he did not, after I became a Christian, did not like my lifestyle. Different times had cussed at me, thought, didn't like the way I was. And so, but I would continue to go. Because of why? Because I wanted to honor him. I wanted to honor him. I wanted to show love to him. So I would go. And, of course, at this point in his life, he had macular degeneration. So he lost his eyesight. He's in a wheelchair. And a uh, uh, small little room. And I would go and, and uh, greet him and bring him chocolate bars. <laughs> always put them in the drawer. I'd always say, don't eat them all at once. He'd grin because that was his last, his last vice left in life. You know, he couldn't do anything else, but he could love chocolate. And, and uh, you know, but one day it, when he was in his early 80s, and many times I would share to him how much Jesus loved him, how much God cared for him. And one day, finally, he prayed that life prayer. And he said, yeah, I want to pray. <laughs> And he gave his life to Jesus. It was it was tr- a tremendous moment. And I'm just thankful that I honored him. That I continued to go see him in spite of how he treated me. In spite of the things that he said toward me. And the same thing happened even my brothers. That's a long story. But my, none of my family knew the Lord. But they all eventually got saved. Hallelujah. So continued to show appreciation. Continued to show love. Cont- continued to honor them even though... They didn't really act like brothers, but they still were blood brothers, but continued to honor them. And they, one by one, gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And that's, of course, what's important in life. Amen? We all know people that need Jesus. And so we want to, our Father, our Father in heaven loves us so much, and we want to act with that same character toward people around us. We don't want to get offended we don't want to say, well, you deserve this or this. No, they deserve love. And you and I are the ones to give it to them. And it doesn't come down to a feeling, because sometimes you feel, I don't, I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> I don't feel like showing love. I don't feel like being nice. But it doesn't come down to a feeling. It comes down to obedience in the Word of God to do what He's asked us to do. John 14, they, they wanted to see the Father. John 14, so Philip said, show us the Father. We want to see the Father. And Jesus said, you know, I've been with you a long time. So they've been together a few years. And he says, have you not known me? Now this is very interesting because if you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. If we see Jesus, so this is, this is important in life. Think of how many Christians are still thinking that God is up there ready to smack them. That God does bad things. That God's, willing, that God's ready, waiting for you to mess up so he can mess you up. And that God is not that way. God's never planned a bad day. God's never planned an accident. God's never planned anything evil. God's never, never purposed for anything bad to happen to you. If people would understand the New Testament, and they want to understand who God is like, and hear Philip say, show us, show us what God's like. And he said, hey, hey, you're looking. Look at me. Because if you've seen me, you've seen who God is like. You've seen who the Father's like. Okay, so then let's look at Jesus. How did Jesus How did Jesus act toward people? What did Jesus do to people? Did he ever do anything bad to anybody? No. He never said, I'm not going to heal you. You deserve that sickness. He never said, I'll give you a sickness. He didn't do that. God can't give you what he doesn't have. A little bit ago, Pastor Janie led us in the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He can't give what he doesn't have. Heaven is a good place because when we go there everything's good right everything's good you know the peace the joy the love but there's no sickness and there's no pain and he said i want that on earth now amen so the lord's prayer is to be a manifestation right now for us in our lives so that on earth right now we say oh thank you father for healing thank you for your blessing thank you for your peace your love and so Jesus is saying, so Philip's looking at him and said, wow, God is good. Because if you look at Jesus, everything he did was good. He went about doing good and healing all, Acts 10, he, he Jesus Jesus touched people's lives. He loved people no matter what status of life they were in. Amen? Even religious people, he loved them. People say, boy, he, he sure took it to those Pharisees. No, he really loved the Pharisees. Nicodemus wanted, you know, was curious, and Jesus met him by night. He says, I'll meet you privately. Hey, let's talk about being born again. Let's talk about the work of the Holy Spirit and what you need in your life. Nicodemus being a leader of the Jews, and he needed to know Jesus. He needed to be born again. So Jesus said, if you've seen me, now you should underline this in your Bible, right? It's, if you're watching us, you should always be in your Bible. That should be the most read book in your house. Amen. And we're living in turbulent times where people are believing all kinds of things. Even Christians believe in all kinds of things. Hey, stay with the Bible and there's safety. All right. Keep your eyes on Jesus and there's safety. If you stray from that, then you get into other things. Right. So you see lots of Christians there. They're they're worked up or they're in turmoil or so forth. They've lost their joy. Well, we don't have to. We can walk in his peace and his joy all the time. So, so when we see him, when we see Jesus, we've seen the Father. Now, Hebrews 1 talks about Jesus being the express image of the Father. So he spoke to, in times past. So Old Testament, he spoke to us by the prophets. Incidentally, a lot of people today, they say, what are the prophets saying? Why would we say that? Why would we say that when we have the Bible? New Testament Christians, a lot of New Testament Christians, what do the, the prophets say? What are they hearing from God? What are you hearing from God? Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Turn, to the, turn to your neighbor and say, you have the Holy Spirit. Yes. You have the Holy Spirit. You have a prophetic word in you. We have the word, the Bible says it's even a more sure word of prophecy. So people are running around lots of times, what are they hearing? What is the Lord saying to them? Well, you have responsibility. Each of us has responsibility to get in the Bible. Amen? So in times past, when there was no Bible and there was not the Holy Spirit for all of us, then people are looking to the the prophets. Time past the fathers by the prophets hearing, what is God saying? But now, say now, in these last days, he speaks to us by his son, Jesus Christ. Say hallelujah. So now we have a new covenant. That's why we celebrate communion regularly, because we're celebrating a new covenant. This new covenant is based out of the New Testament. So if your life is your life framework, if your life is in the Old Testament, wrong area, because you're getting a distorted picture. Now we are in the new covenant in the New Testament. And so now we see God reacts with with people through Jesus Christ, His Son, through the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Great mercy. There's great mercy and great grace today. Amen. There will be a day of judgment, that's true, but that will be at the very end. Right now, there's a multitude in the valley of decision, and our job is to reach out to people and see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So he spoke to us by his Son, Jesus Christ. He's the heir through how he made the world. world is framed through the Word of God, amen? He's the express image of his person, so Jesus is the express image of God. All right, so if we want to see again, we want to see God, well, we look at Jesus Christ. We see how he reacts, what he does, how he ministers to people, how he cares about people. This is huge, because once we understand that, then we get a whole different perspective of how we can live our lives and how we can pray. Now, Hebrews 2.11 2, then says that we're his brethren, and he was not ashamed to call us brethren, so now we get into a whole other area here, and this is where I want to go today. That, that now, a revelation, a revelation of who our family is. Jesus is my Savior and my Lord, but he's also my brother. The Bible says we're heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So in the natural, I have a natural family, and so when my parents died, they had a will, and we were heirs in that will, joint heirs as, a, as family. And now a spiritual family, Christ, when he died on the cross and rose again from the grave, a will, a testament, came into force. Lots, lots of times on, on older wills and so forth, they would say the last will and testament of David Kaufman. And they have that word testament, the last will and testament. In other words, this is what I decreed when I'm, de- when I'm dead. And it, comes, it becomes a legal document when I'm dead. When Christ died for us and rose again from the grave, the Word of God became a legal document to us, and we have a new testament. And so now, in this new testament, we are family, we're joint heirs. What God has to give to us is available to everybody in Christ. To everybody. So many people are still kind of thinking like, well, you know, I hope he answers me. I hope he loves me. I hope he cares about me and you know, all these things. But when you read the Bible and you realize he cares for all of us, his love is for all of us. His will is for all of us. We have the same family, the same father. So now let's read the scripture in this light. Let's go to excuse me, Matthew chapter six. So we come to the Beatitudes and read it in this light. When you pray and you go into your room and you shut the door, you pray to who? your father he didn't say a father it didn't say to a God it didn't even say to God it just says to your father so the revelation when you think of the father's influence now in our life the revelation is that he's your father we have a natural father if if you know we lo- would love to communicate with talk with listen to and so forth but now we have a spiritual father and he's your father so now understanding this in light the New Testament you're praying to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly say your father. So we have to begin to see things now in the context of the New Testament that we're not just Christians. We're not just believers, but now we are we are family, the family of God, and that our father, God himself is our father. He's our father. Father. He's your father. He does good things, only good things. If, if, you know, so many Christians would talk about, well, something bad happened. And, well, God did that because he had a purpose. Folks, if, if, that, if that was in a real court system today, then God himself would be thrown into, by social services, would be thrown into prison. Because he's sadistic. Well, he's, he just beat up his kids there. And, well, he just caused that accident. Oh, he just caused that problem. And people don't even think. God's not doing that. That's the devil's work, by the way. See, if you read the Bible again, you understand there's two forces. It's like I've always said, if you're in a game, you have one uniform, one color, and the opponent has another color. Most Christians are playing around like, God has everything under control. God does everything. Well, you'll never win in life then. Because if I don't know who I'm competing against, playing against, I'll never win. If, if I'm going to throw a pass in a football game and I drop back and everybody's the same color, I'm thinking, ah, uh, let's see, I guess I'm throwing to 86. Where's 86? Yeah. It doesn't work. You won't, you, won't, you won't win. If you don't know who your opponent is, you will never win. Never. Right. On. So only when we know who our opponent is, then we realize, oh, we're part of the same team. Anybody who is a believer in Jesus Christ, we're part of the same team. That's why you don't want to even put down other people and ridicule other people and so forth who might be believers but maybe don't believe like you, but you still don't want to put them down because they're part of the same team. Amen? We're part of the same body. So when we understand how this is together, well, then it's huge, right? Matthew 6, we're going to go down a few verses. We prayed the prayer today. And and as we prayed, it says, Our Father. Who are you praying to? You're praying to someone personal, right? We've, most of us have grown up in churches. We prayed the Lord's Prayer. We parroted, it, you know, every week, you know, the service we know by heart, this and that. And, and yet never have gotten the message that He's my Father. My Father who art in heaven. My Father. Your Father. Our Father. Who only does good. Go back a little bit farther down to Matthew 7 and verse 11. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Now think about this. You being evil know how to give good gifts. How many know how to give good gifts? How many have ever had a Christmas or a birthday where you wrapped up something that wasn't good? Put something bad in the cake. Well, I'll fix them. I'll put this in the cake and... No, no, no. You always do something good. You always, people, kid, your kids are excited. You give them a gift like, oh, wow. They're not listening like, is it ticking? Is it safe? Can I open this? Will I, will I get hurt? No, they're never thinking that because you would never do that. And yet we are just people. We, we have been lost. Now we're saved. Hallelujah. But if you being evil know how to give good gifts, say how much more? How much more, how much more will who? Your father... Your father, who's in heaven, will give good things, say good things, to those that ask. So your father, my father, is only going to give good things. That's all he has to give. He doesn't have any bad things in his his treasure chest. Nothing bad. He only has good things. He only wants to bless people. Jesus only wanted to bless people. I mean, it was, it was, think about this. He was the word made flesh. He created the universe and he came to his own. And the Bible says his own received him not. Yeah. Think about this. He made it all and they didn't, his own, his own people didn't receive him. His own town didn't receive him. his own, his own, uh, uh, synagogue didn't receive him. But how, what was his response? His response was never like, I'll show you, you just wait. He never did that, never called down fire, never spoke something evil, never. Grieved, grieved in heart when he couldn't do many things because they didn't believe. But yet his heart, you see, the heart of God is good. Folks, someone can be very, very bad, very bad. And I'll tell you what, Jesus loves them. And people think about things going on in the world and so forth. There's a lot of things going on in the world that aren't good. I understand that. But the love of God does not change. It does not change based on your behavior or somebody else's behavior. He commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. He commended his love while we were enemies. Now I'm not an enemy. Hallelujah. I can appreciate it. I can embrace it. But that love was out there before I ever knew him. When I got saved in a bar, think of that. He was there. He's as close as the mention of his name. He was there. So God wants to give good gifts, say good, good things. That's all he gives. Your Father will give good things. Hey, let's back up to Matthew 6 a second. Matthew 6, 18. It says It says, uh, when you're fasting, your Father, say your Father, which sees in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now again, what is he saying all the time? He's basically saying, I want to reward you. I want to bless you. We, we so many times feel like, well, he will bless them. They're a better person than me. The better, per- that doesn't, <laughs> you know, you can have kids in your family. One maybe just does great, gets straight A's, all kinds of stuff. And the next one doesn't, it doesn't change. It doesn't change your love. They're your children. They're your children. You love them. You care for them. Same with God. He doesn't, he doesn't have a grading scale like, well, this, one, this one's got more favor than this one. No, we're all his children, and we all have favor. But we have to have faith, amen? You have to believe your father that you're praying to, your father that you're fasting to. That's why I say like ending every prayer session with thanksgiving. Some people can go into a time, they're praying, they're interceding and so forth, and then they walk out and they're sober and so forth, well we got to keep praying, you know. And they're still thinking like, hey, I'm always thinking, didn't he hear you? I thought you just prayed. You cannot, you cannot walk away. You can't end a prayer session being glum. I just want to say that. If I'm talking to my father, all right, I'm talking to him. He knows every need I have. I can't end that prayer session. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do now, you know, and I'm down. Oh, then you just wasted your time. You wasted your breath. You wasted your energy. Nothing happened. Because faith moves the hand of God. It's not, it's not hard to please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. So you're praying to your Father, or you're fasting to your Father. Amen? Or even are giving. I'm giving to your, my Father. Amen? I'm honoring Him. I see everything. He sees everything I do. I, th- I say, thank you, Jesus. You're, you're blessing me. I'm not worried about if he'll bless me. I know he's blessing me because it's his word. And he cannot go back in his word. Amen? It's just kind of how it is. So, so, he is good to everybody, even to the sinner. He wants them to do well. He's not causing bad things to the sinner. If they plant bad seeds, they'll reap a bad crop. But his will is still good for people and wants them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ for everybody. Now, here's a question. Is God everybody's father? Is, is our God, is Jesus Christ, as we see Jesus Christ, is he everybody's father? Well, let's look at Galatians 3 for a second. Because in our day and times, in the political correctness and so forth, you get all kinds of stuff that's out there. But Galatians 3 says, for you are all the sons of God. So where the world, where the world and, and people of liberal persuasions and so forth, they stop there, put a period there, and forget the last uh, uh, five words. is pretty important. You're all sons of God, or another version says you're all children of God, through faith in Jesus Christ. So you're a child of the Most High God, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And there'd be an if there. So it's not automatic. It's not like everybody says, well, they're they're all children of God. Well, they're all sons of God. Well, the answer to that is, no, they're not. The promises of God are available to His family, to His children. The promises are not available to the world. There's conditions. The conditions, the difference is you enter in through Jesus Christ, through the veil of his love. You enter into Jesus Christ, and now in faith you become his child. But the promises are not available to others. Now anybody can get saved, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord to get saved. Yes, yes. But someone in the world can say, well, I I hope we have money. Well, I hope we have this. Well, you can hope all day long. But the promises are available to family members. It's exclusive. It's always amazing to me. I get to a funeral and everybody becomes a theologian. So I've had funerals. I'm invited to the funeral home to do a funeral for somebody who I don't know and they need a pastor to come and so forth. And I've done this on a number of occasions. And I go there and the person, I had one person, he died. He was drunk and he died, so forth. Very sad situation. And somehow, though, everybody's a theologian. Well, they must be in heaven. They must be in heaven. Right? Right, reverend. They must be in heaven. I never agree to that statement. I never agree to that because it's not true. Everybody wants to think at that point in time, now someone's dead. (laughs) Well, I hope they made it. Well, it's too late to hope for now. When you breathe your last, it's too late. The decision you make is the decision in this life, right? So he's your father. You make him... Your father, you enter that family. He's already given his love. The choice now is up to us. He commended his love to the world. John three sixteen, that we said the other night several times, commended his love to us through, through his son, Jesus Christ. Now we accept it. Hallelujah. And we come into his family. So the context of the scripture is we are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's look at John 8, verse 44. So Jesus came to the Pharisees, and and of course they were chiding him in various ways and so forth. But when you're outside of Christ, so they were religious, they were under the law. But listen, everybody, Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, everybody has to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He's addressing people that were very scholarly, they knew the law, But now Jesus made a new way for us. And he is the way. Amen. And so Jesus looks at them and he said, you are of your father, the devil, which is sounds pretty harsh. (laughs) He's just making an accurate statement. I always know Christians when 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 you find Christians, the songs or the speakers and everything's God. I always know those people don't read their Bible. They don't read their Bible. And the reason I know they don't read their Bible is because all over in the New Testament is pretty clear we have an adversary. So when people come out and they sing songs, they say, well, God's doing this and God, all these things. I know you don't read your Bible. You are illiterate. And that's just the truth. Because if you read the Bible and you read the New Testament, you are going to see the devil's work. And you're going to see the work of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see a line in there, the difference so it's real important to read your Bible. I love talking to people because I'll say, oh, really? How about that? Huh? Well, did you read this? No. Did you read this? No. It's like the people that say God is, you know, uh, uh, all the hidden things of the Lord, you know, that he's re- man has not seen and so forth. And I always think, yeah, read your Bible. Read the next verse. Because most, just be honest now. Folks, let's be honest. I'm real honest here. Most Christians aren't Bible readers. Right. They've come to a relationship, but I realize how negligent believers are. they love Jesus yet, but negligent on the truth. Right. And it's only the truth that you know that will determine how free you are. So when you're free in Christ, hey, you're free. We've seen that all the last couple of years, all the pandemic things and all the Trump things and so forth, and Christians battling them thinking, they're not free. Because you don't know the truth. The truth sets you free, so you're happy, you're joyful. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens to the world when you have Jesus on the inside of you. I'm just saying that. You better understand that because the book of Revelation is going to come to pass, so you have to know where you're standing and who your Father is. Because then you can stand in any storm at all with His peace and with His joy. And knowing that He hears you. And knowing that He's your Father. And knowing that He's got good things aimed at you. And knowing that He's on your side. You need a word from God. I go to the Word. I don't call people. don't search out a prophecy. I go to the Word of God. Very important to understand this. Because these are the things. Jesus looked at these people who were extremely religious. Thought they were totally right. And he said, Your father's the devil. Your father's the devil. You have truth standing in front of you and you don't recognize it. You have the giver of life right in front of you and you don't recognize it. You want to kill it. And he says, Your father's the devil and you're going to do just what your father wants you to do. He's a murderer, he's a liar, speaks a lie, speaks of his own, he's the father of lies. So when we depart from the scripture, everything else becomes a lie. If we're looking for life, remember, there's a true vine. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. My father's the husbandman. Guess what? There's a false vine. If he's the true vine, there's a false vine. So people, lots of people are trying to get life out of the false vine, finding purpose for their life out of the false vine and are never going to find it because it's only found in the true vine. Folks, now listen now. There's only one true vine, and His name is Jesus, all right? Separate everything else. It's just Jesus. Being a Christian is a relationship with Jesus. It's not a church member. It's not catechism. It's not all the other things that you do. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? Amen? And so then we come into this place where we know our Father. Wow, He's my Father. Let's look at Luke, just got a couple of minutes. Luke chapter 12, a second. So he says the nations seek after all the things, of course, that are out there, the, the false vine. Father knows everything you have need of. Your Father, your Father, seek the kingdom of God. These things, whatever, what do you need, shall be added to you. Don't fear. Don't fear. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. His kingdom, by the way. His kingdom. This isn't a natural kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's a worldwide kingdom. So when our eyes are on Jesus Christ, and we realize, wow, you're my father. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to worry about all the other stuff. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm going to do what you ask me to do. I'm going to be a light for you. Do you need to be a witness? Yes, you do. Amen. Do you want to reach out to people? Yes, you do. Do you want to share Jesus? Yes, you should want to share Jesus. That should be your highest priority. I get a lot of, around a lot of Christians and they're sharing with me the latest video on something. Yeah. Not good. Shaky ground. You say, I love Jesus. That's great. You do, but, but the thing you want to share is the things of the kingdom. It's your Father, your Father, my Father. It's His good pleasure to bless us, to give things to us. What's he going to give me? He's going to give me what he's got. He wants to give me joy. He wants to give me peace. He wants to supply my needs. Amen. Amen. He's going to give me things that I need in my life. Those are all good things. Hallelujah. Amen. Load up on the fruit of the spirit. So Jesus said in John 20, so he's talking to the disciples. Jesus says, do you want John 20 verse 17? He says, I, I, I'm going he says, go to my brethren, Jesus says, go to my brethren. Notice what he said there. Say, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Let me see that again. He's, telling, he's to, Who's my brethren? He's saying to go to the disciples. He's identifying with them as brethren. Go to the disciples who are hiding out of fear. And he says, I want you to tell them, I'm ascending to my father, your father, my God, your God let see the relationship now. Now we're in this relationship where, where we're like Jesus. Hello. People are like, oh, I don't know if we can say that. Well, we can say that because it's the Scripture. He's calling us brethren. And he's saying, my God is your God. Amen. He's saying, my Father is your Father. He's saying, we're family. And so, yeah, he, he did the work for us. I understand that. But now with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live a life in victory. We can live a life overcoming sin. We can live a life walking in his blessings, Amen. walking in health. Why? Because he already did it for us. That's good news. Amen. Amen. I look at that. And I so, so Wednesdays, we come in and, pray and say, Oh, father, you're so good. Just great to enjoy his presence and leave the meeting thinking, Hallelujah for his goodness. Folks, there's a place to come where you know you have this relationship. It's in him. And he is your God, he's your Savior, he's the lover of your soul, he's the one that provides for all your needs, he's yours. It's not somebody else's. He's yours. You can come to a place realizing my prayers. He hears my prayers. You come to a place where you realize Jesus said he's sitting at the right hand of the father, ever living to make intercession. You realize he's praying for me all the time. People think, oh, you got to pray for me. You got to pray for me. I know someone who is praying for you. And I've told this many times. People, you know, who's praying for you all the time. Said, who's that? I said, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that's the response. And I know they have no faith. I can't give faith to people. That's something you have to do. He's given to every person a measure of faith. Every believer gets a measure of faith. You get born again, you get a measure of faith. What are you going to do with your faith? All right? I got a bicep muscle. All right? What's what's the difference between my bicep muscle and a baby bicep muscle? They're both bicep muscles. The difference is one has been used more. Sometimes I don't feel as strong as I once did, but the more you use it, the stronger you become. You develop it. Same with faith. You develop your faith. So when you have scriptures like all these things I'm saying today about your father, you develop your faith and you do what? You confess the word of God. You're my father. I'm going to see this a whole different way. You're my father. You always do good. You don't do anything bad. You're my father. It's a whole different way to live your relationship. Yeah. It's a whole different way to face your problems. Because if I'm facing my problems with faith in Jesus Christ, I know He hears my prayers. We stood for 12 years believing for our daughter, but folks, we still had victory in our home. We still had victory in, in all kinds of situations. We were on the television stations. We'd... We'd be sharing on telethons and so forth like that. Dances for distries. But still in victory. Because why? Because of faith in Jesus Christ. People say, but your daughter is really sick. Oh, your daughter's, she's getting worse and so forth. And that's what it looks like. But our faith is still in Jesus Christ. Who is who? He's our healer. He's the one who takes care of us. Facing medical bankruptcy. People, what are you going to do? You face all these bills. What are you going to do? Our faith is in Jesus Christ. He's my provider. We weren't chewing our fingernails and so forth. We were having services here. We were praising the Lord. We go through 12 years of stuff and a lot of people never knew we went through anything. Why? Because we weren't moaning and complaining, down and negative and this and that. we got to do something. You have to understand, it comes to faith in Jesus Christ. It isn't how many people pray. It's that you have faith when you pray. You can have a thousand people pray with no faith. It means nothing. You can have two people praying with faith and you've, you've reached heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the key. Isn't how many people pray? People say, we gotta get a prayer chain. We gotta get all these people. And prayer chains a lot of times is, do you know so-and-so is sick? Do you know they got problems? Okay, I'll pass it on. Tell them, do you know so-and-so is sick? They're not praying at all. As people say sometimes, we have 30,000 people praying and they died. Isn't the question how many people are praying? The issue is faith. He's your father. Do we believe you're my father? Hallelujah. Amen. I was on a, on a floor in our basement years ago where my office was and I was literally crying and and uh, I was crying out to the Lord and crying in the 80s and and I said you know to the Lord I said man I've already lived a good life. Just I'll take the disease my daughter has. I'll take that. Let her be well. I'll die. I've had a great life already. doesn't matter. I've had a great life. I'm crying. I'm saying all these things and so forth. I'm laying flat on my face. And then all of a sudden, I'm done crying. <laughs> done crying and so forth. And the Lord just kind of said, are you done? And it's kind of, I said, yeah. And he said, that's why I took it. I'm your father. You as a father want to take your daughter's disease and you want her to be well. That's your heart. And that's why I took it. I'm your father. I took her disease. I want her to be well. I got up on my elbows and I thought, wow. How good is that? He's touching her and I get to live. How about that, huh? God is a good God. He is a good God. People act like sometimes like, oh, this church, yeah, you're just talking about God's always good. Well, He is good. I'm not ashamed of that. I'll go toe-to-toe with people who want to blame God for things and just say, that's not true. You don't know your Bible. I'll show you Scripture in the Bible. You don't know it. I'll go toe-to-toe with people because I know what the Word of God says and I know He's your Father and my Father. And Jesus is our brother, also our Savior, our King, but our brother also, and that we are in this wonderful family. We are blessed, blessed, blessed. You gotta believe it, Amen. You gotta believe it, and appropriate faith. Take these scriptures, just appropriate faith. It says what's in the in the Beatitudes. You know, it says your father. So I'm going to say you're my father. All right, yeah, that's good. Believe it when you pray, when you give, when you fast. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Believe it, because it's true. His will is being done on earth, as it is in heaven. Amen? So let me just pray for a minute. Let me just pray. Father, I pray for, I pray, Lord, that faith would arise in our hearts. I pray that faith would come forth, that believers would believe, that they would trust you. That they would have a revelation of who you are and how good you are. Father, in Jesus' name, open our eyes that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. That we would see you, Jesus. That we would see how good you are. And we would see our Father, which is in heaven. Your name is wonderful, Lord, holy. Father, I thank you for cleansing people today, for just breaking chains, old chains from our past. We've all had chains from our past, but I thank you for breaking chains today in Jesus' name. Chains of bondage, chains of old thinking, chains of maybe poor health in Jesus' name. That sickness and disease is leaving in the name of Jesus. That provision is coming in the name of Jesus. That blessing is here in the name of Jesus. Lord, today we thank you for your blessing, that you do good, that you freely give us all good things, Lord God. Hallelujah. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, you're doing wonderful things today in this hour. And that is your people, what a joyful time to be alive. What a great time to be alive, Father. Father, I bless people here in this room. I bless people watching, Lord. And I, bless, I pray blessings on their families. I bless healings, Lord, and families in Jesus' name. That parents and children or grandchildren, that relationships would be healed in Jesus' name. Even now, Lord, where, where people are wayward, we pray you draw them back, Father, in Jesus' name. We pray there'd be healings. We pray for restoration. We thank you, Lord, for your grace on all of our lives. We thank you, Lord, you love us with an everlasting, unconditional love. We thank you, Jesus. I thank you for blessing people, Lord, supernaturally. Thank you for your touch, Father. Your Father. My Father. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Apply it. Apply it and you'll be blessed. Amen. Apply it and you will be blessed. Happy Father's Day to all the men. And uh, fathers represented, hallelujah, in Jesus' name. can share this as well with somebody else. Share it with somebody. Bless somebody in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's stand up. We're going to fellowship a little bit. You uh, can meet with Sheila in the back, all right, on uh, the uh, uh, Vacation Bible School as well. Amen.